Welcome to the Harmony Christian Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by today's message from Pastor Josh Shoemaker. Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to look at just one verse here this morning. Um, And before I jump into that verse uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, go ahead and turn there, but um, I did want to do just a real quick review of the last two weeks um, where we've been talking about rest. I've shared with you both weeks that I believe that one of the greatest diseases of our hour is restlessness. And that restlessness is not just something the world deals with, it's something that the body of Christ deals with. There's anxiousness, there's restlessness, there's an unsettledness that has kind of just been within the culture of both the world and within the church. But I believe with all of my heart that God is changing that narrative, amen? God is changing that narrative, that he has made available to us an inheritance for the sons and daughters of God to enter into the realm of confident rest. And he is inviting us to enter into that realm, not later in the future, but the word actually says that he invites us today. He has prepared a day for us to enter into rest, and that day is today. Hebrews chapter 3 and 4 tells us of the story of Israel, that they had been delivered from Egypt. They had walked through the Red Sea. They had been delivered from their slavery. And when they crossed the Red Sea, they headed towards the promised land. And when they got to the border of the promised land, they saw the giants in the land. And because of their fear of the giants, and not just their fear of their giants, because of their lack of faith and trust in God, they were unable to enter in to the place of rest, into their inheritance, into their promise. And so they were free people. They were no longer slaves. Salvation had come to them. Yet they wandered in the wilderness restless for 40 years, for 40 years. And I'm afraid that there's many Christians today who have found and experienced salvation. They have come out of slavery, yet they have not stepped into the land of promise, the realm of rest, the inheritance that is promised us from the Father. The root of Israel's restlessness was unbelief. The word for unbelief in the Hebrew is literally refusing to trust. The word says that they were unable to enter into the promised land because of their unbelief. They remained restless because they were unable to trust their father. When they saw the giants, they were in unbelief. Israel stood right on the border of the land of rest and refused to go in because they didn't trust Yahweh's word that he would deliver the giants into their hands. Yet Hebrews 4.3 tells us this, for those of us who believe, faith activates the promise and we experience the realm of confident rest. If unbelief is a lack of trust, then faith is certainty dependability, and trustworthiness. Faith says that I trust what the Lord said, that he is going to accomplish everything he said, amen? Trust 
activates rest. Trust activates rest. I said this several times. Your level of rest is directly connected to your level of trust. Your level of rest is directly connected to your level of trust. Last week, we went a little bit further into this idea of rest, and we talked about where it says in Isaiah that those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will rise up or mount up like wings, on wings like eagles. They will run and not faint, or they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and they will not faint. We learned last week that when we become braided with him, we can run and not become weary, walk and not faint, because he neither becomes weary nor faints. That word wait literally means to be intertwined, to be intertwined or to be braided together. That when we are braided together with the one who does not faint and does not grow weary, then we cannot faint and not grow weary. Amen? When we wait on the Lord, we mount up on wings like eagles, and we learn to stop flapping our wings and allow the wind to make us soar. Eagles rarely flap their wings. They instead open them up and allow the wind to do the work, and they just rise. Amen? When we wait on the Lord, we learn to open our wings and allow the wind to make us soar. We see all of this in the person of Jesus as he is sleeping in the boat in the middle of the storm. When the disciples wake them, wake him, he simply speaks to the storm, tells it to be calm, and instantly it says that the waters, the seas become as still as glass. That the rest that was inside of Jesus moved the storm from chaos to rest. That, the, that when we come into a place of rest, the rest of the Father, that we are no longer moved by storms, but not only are we no longer moved by the storms, the storms are moved by us. And that's what the culture, I believe, is crying out for in the manifestations in the sons and daughters of God. The chaos in the world around us is waiting for a son and daughter of God who is so full of the rest of the Father on the inside of them that we can speak to the culture and it will become, the chaos will become as smooth and as still as glass. That the rest inside of you can affect the culture around you. Amen? Amen. Everybody awake this morning? Amen. Give me a hoo-ha or something. There we go. We got to get woken up. We got volleyball tonight, people. This is serious stuff, all right? All right, so I told you earlier, open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to look there in verse 7. It says this, Faith opened Noah's heart to receive revelation and warnings from God about what was coming, even things that had never been seen before. But he stepped out in reverent obedience to God and built an ark that would save him and his family. By his faith, the world was condemned. But Noah received God's gift of righteousness that comes by believing. Noah lived in a time that the Bible says was filled with violence and injustice, yet the Bible says that the people were eating and drinking merrily. Look at that dichotomy. That the world was 
in utter chaos. It was a mess. Yet the people were unmoved by the injustice in the world. Instead, they were celebrating, eating and drinking merrily, had no conviction for the darkness that they were living in, right? This is the age that Noah was living in. But in the midst of this wicked generation, Genesis tells us that there was a man full of integrity, without fault in his generation, a man who walked with God. In fact, it says that Noah so walked with God that it condemned the rest of the world. What does that even mean? Right? Have you ever read that in Hebrews and thought, what, is, what, is, what does it mean that Noah so walked in righteousness and integrity that it condemned the rest of the world? I'll tell you a quick story before I explain it. There, there was back in 19, I believe it was 1954. Yes, 19, in 1954, there was a man named Roger Bannister who was 25 years old. And Roger Bannister in 1954 was the first man to run a mile in under four minutes. He ran it, I believe, in three minutes, 59.4 seconds. The first person in world history to ever run a mile in under four minutes. This is a big deal because ever since the Greek time, right? Ever since back 2,000 years ago, man has tried to run the mile in under four minutes. Scientists did studies before 1954 about people running the, running the four-minute mile, running the mile in under four minutes, and they determined that it was impossible to do. Yet in 1954, Roger Bannister broke all of the predictions. He broke all of the expectations and he ran the mile in under four minutes. After Roger broke the four minute mile in 1954, just a few months later, another man named John something, named John broke the four minute mile again. Remember, for 2,000 years, people have been trying to break the four-minute mile, unable to do so. One man does it, and within a few months, another man does it. A few months after that, in 1955, another man comes along. And he has an even weirder name than John's last name, so I'm not even going to try to pronounce his. But a third man comes along. He breaks the four-minute mile just a few months after that. Now, over 1,700 people have broken the four-minute mile. 1,755 people, over 1,755 people have run the mile in under four minutes. Do you know how fast that is? That's an average of 15 miles an hour. 15 miles an hour. After service today, Chase is going to give us a demonstration of the four-minute mile. So you're going to want to stick around for that. Unbelievable. It was told, they were told it was proven that it was impossible. One man breaks it. Now, what did that do? It unleashed this barrage of people that now run the mile in under four minutes. What does that mean? What does it mean that Noah, that his righteousness condemned the rest of the world? It means that Noah took away everyone else's excuse to live irresponsibly because of the culture of, or the climate of the culture he was in. Roger Bannister, 
took away everyone else's excuse for not being able to run the four-minute mile because he did it. He said, I will be the one to accomplish it. And he took away everyone else's excuse. Noah lived righteously in a world that was full of wickedness. Literally, it says, everyone was wicked except for Noah. You think we live in a wicked world now? Literally, everyone, the Bible says, was walking in wickedness. And they were celebrating it except for Noah. Noah took away everyone else's excuse to live wickedly. He condemned the rest of the world. He said, listen, you may all feel comfortable living in this wickedness, but I do not feel comfortable living in it. I'm going to take away everyone else's excuse. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, it says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. But get this, Noah, it's never recorded in any of the scriptures that Noah ever one time preached a message. Or preached a sermon. Yet 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 5 says that he was a preacher of righteousness. That Noah never preached a sermon. His life was the message. His life was the message of righteousness. He took away everyone else's excuse to live wickedly. Let your life, church, here's... Here's the challenge this morning. Let your life so reflect the character of God that it takes away the world's excuses. Let your life so reflect the character of God that it not only takes away the world's excuses, it takes away the church's excuses. Well, I can't live holy in this culture. I do. I can't live with integrity. I do. I can't live, listen to this, I can't live with joy with there's so much fear and anxiety. Well, guess what? We should be able to come along and say, I live with joy every single day. I can't live with peace in the midst of all of the stuff going on in the world. Yeah, I get it, all the stuff is crazy, but listen, I live with peace. Let your life so reflect the character and the nature of God that it takes away the rest of the world's excuse. Noah condemned the rest of the world because of his righteousness. Noah was a man of righteousness. But look at this. Let me, let me say it this way. Noah was a man of righteousness. He was a man of integrity and character, the Bible tells us. But his righteousness did not come because of his integrity and character. He was a man of integrity and character, but his righteousness was not... He, did, he wasn't righteous. Let me say it this way. The Bible doesn't call him righteous because he, was because he had integrity and was a man of character. The Bible says that he was righteous because of his faith. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, there at the end, it says, but Noah received God's gift of righteousness that comes by what? Believing. Noah was righteous because of his faith, because of his trust. Noah made it into the Hebrews 11 Faith Hall of Fame, not because he was a good man, but because of his trust in God. That's why when you read Hebrews chapter 11, you don't just read people like Noah. You read about people like Rahab, the prostitute, 
who made it into the Faith Hall of Fame right next to Abraham, the father of our faith. Why? Because righteousness is not credited to you because of your merits. It's credited to you because of your faith and your trust in the Father. In a world, I'm sorry, Noah was a man who stood alone in his generation. Noah was a man who stood alone in his generation. While the world gave itself over to selfish desires, Noah steadfastly refused to join in. Hallelujah. Let that be a word to us here this morning. In a world that has given itself over to selfishness and selfish fulfillment, let us be a people who steadfastly refuse to join in. Amen. Though the world was lost in wickedness, God still had a plan. Yahweh tells a man named Noah to build an ark. God still has a plan, and his plan is to tell a man named Noah to build an ark. Many of us know the story of Noah's ark and the great flood. One thing that I didn't know all my life growing up was this, that Noah, the name Noah in Hebrew, literally means rest. Noah in Hebrew literally means rest. So in the midst of a generation that is given over to chaos and to wickedness and to perversion, God's plan to save the human race is to call a man named Rest to build an ark. God's answer for the wickedness and the chaos in the human world was to call a man named Rest. In the midst of the most perverse generation that lived, again, Scripture says that everyone save Noah was wicked and corrupt. So in the midst of the most perverse generation that lived, there was one man who refused to be shaped by the chaos of the world, and his name was literally Rest. Noah was a man of rest because he knew where to find rest. Genesis chapter 6 verse 8 tells us this. It says, Noah found grace. Where? In the eyes of the Lord. Noah, the man named Rest, found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I believe this is why so many of us struggle so deep with fear and anxiety because we get distracted by all the things going around us on going on around us in the world our eyes aren't into our we aren't capturing his gaze instead we are gazing at what's happening in the chaos around us whether it be the news the media christian armageddon books <laughs> Whatever it is, we keep looking at the chaos around us. But Noah was able to look above all of the chaos, all of the wickedness happening around him. And the Bible says that he was looking into the eyes of Yahweh and he found grace 
in his eyes. Now, I know, I know what some people think when we talk about lifting our eyes above all of the stuff happening around us, not gazing at all this. I, I, hear, I hear the expression, and they say things like this, well, I have to stay informed, right? I can't just turn off the news, right? I got to know what's going on in the world so I know what to pray for, right? <laughs> let me ask you something, and, and listen, let, me, let me just say this. I understand that way of thinking to an extent. I understand the idea of, being, of staying informed on what's going on in the world, but let me ask you this. Are you mature enough in your faith in Christ to be informed and in peace? Let me ask you that one more time. Are you mature enough in your faith to be able to be informed and also live in the realm of confident rest. Because if you're not there yet, then I would encourage you to turn off the news stations. Turn off, turn your gaze away from what's happening all around you and instead focus on the Prince of Peace until his rest becomes your rest. Until you're at a point where you can look at what's happening in the world and when you encounter that chaos, it doesn't move you. Instead, you begin to move it. Because if you're not at that point yet, then you're going to be living your life being informed and in fear. Informed and in anxiety. Informed but struggling every day to come into a place of rest. You'll be restless. So that's my first thing, is if you're not mature enough in your faith yet, then get to a place where only thing you, you see is his eyes full of grace. Secondly, I want to ask this to all those who need to be informed. What are you doing with the information? What are you doing with the information? Most of us use the information to complain. Right? We use the information to complain, and complaining breeds fear and unbelief. It's the devil's language because complaining undermines your trust in the Father. So, again, until you come into a place of maturity in your faith, I encourage you turn off the news, lift your eyes above the chaos, and find grace in his eyes. Find grace in his eyes. Listen to this. Noah didn't find a solution by staring at the chaos in the world. He found a solution by staring into the Father's eyes. Our solution to the issues going on in the world around us isn't found on Fox or CNN. The solution for the world around us is found in his eyes. A man named Rest found in the eyes of the Lord, or found the eyes of the Lord, and through the intimate place of rest, Noah received the blueprints that saved the human race. Go build an ark. Go build an ark. If you want to save the world, the solution isn't studying the problem. The solution is in his eyes. Amen. Think of this. Think of this. The solution that God gave Noah was to build something 
that no one had ever seen before, to prepare us for something that the world had never seen before, a cataclysmic flood. Literally, no one had ever heard of a boat before, and no one had ever seen raindrops before, yet it was the solution that was found for the flood by looking in the eyes of Yahweh. If Noah was looking at the chaos of the world around him for a solution, would he have been able to have the knowledge to build a boat? That's not rhetorical. Would he have had a knowledge to build the boat? No. The answer to the world's problems isn't found in the world's problems. The answer to the world's problems is only found in the eyes of the one who knows the solution. And that is in the Father's eyes. What if we so get in tune with the gaze of the Father? What if we look above the chaos of this world and begin looking into his eyes and God begins to download blueprints for something that eye has not seen and ear has not heard nor entered into the heart of man, that the Lord would begin downloading solutions to the sons and daughters of God, not because we assessed the problem and found a solution, but because we spent time and a place and a realm called rest gazing into the eyes of our beloved. He has the solution. He has the solution, amen? It's time we stop living in reaction to the world around us. So many people live in reaction to the world around us. So many Christians live in reaction to the world around us. It's time we stop living in reaction to the world around us and that we start living in the realm of rest because it's only in the realm of rest that we find divine solutions. Let me say it this way. Jesus didn't live in reaction to the world around him or get pulled into the urgency of the moment. You want to find the perfect example of a man that lived in rest but changed the world? Look no further than our Messiah. Jesus didn't live in reaction or in response to the world around him. He only lived in response to the Father. If Jesus were to live in reaction to the world around him, then he wouldn't be sleeping in boats during storms. If Jesus was living in, the react to re in reaction to the world around him, he wouldn't be taking the time to stop on the side of the road and heal a blind beggar when Caesar has overthrown and has brought oppression upon the Jews but he didn't live in response to the world around him. Instead, he lived in this. He says this. He says, I only do what I see my father doing. And I only say what I hear the father say. Jesus did not live in response to the world. Instead, he only responded to the voice of his father. What if God is not looking? Let me say, I'm sorry. What if God is looking for a person named rest to look above the chaos around them so he can give them the solution to the chaos around them? Noah nor Jesus responded to the darkness around them. 
They only responded to the word of the Lord. Amen. I'm going to finish up here with this. What if the answer, again, I've said this a couple times already, but what if the answer to the chaos around you is found by coming into a place of rest? What if the solution to your busy schedule isn't found in a better planner, but instead it's found in a place of prayer? What if God is looking for a person named Rest to look above the chaos around them so he can give them the solutions to the chaos around them? And let me say it this way. What if God is not just looking for a person named Rest, but a people named Rest who can build something that eye has not seen and ear has not heard, a place of refuge from the turbulent seas, a place where storms cannot touch you, a place of salvation, a place of rest. Rest is not a reward for hard work. We've talked for three weeks now on this topic of rest and we'll probably not talk about it. We'll probably end this little mini series today, but I wanna kind of sum it up with this. Rest is not a reward for hard work. Rest for the child of God is a place that we live. It's a realm we live in. Rest is who we are as sons and daughters of God. And it's what we release to the world around us. Church, we need to come into a place of rest, not just for ourselves, but for the world around us. One of the greatest gifts we can give the world around us is to be people who are unmoved and not shaped by the chaos that is around us, but a people who instead can look above all of that, find the eyes of the Father, live in a place of rest, and from that place of rest, release the peace of God to the chaos around us. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand together today. I just want to take a moment and just pray over you. And I want to declare that rest is not just a reward for your hard work, but your name is rest. Your name is rest. That rest is an inheritance for the sons and daughters of God to walk in today. Father, I pray for each and every person in the room here this morning. God, that we would be able to walk in the realm of rest, that it wouldn't be a place that we visit when we're tired, but Father, that it would be a place that we live from, Jesus. God, that we would not be shaped by the busyness and the schedules and the, the franticness of the world and the pace around us, but God, we would be people who would not be subject to the urgency of the hour, but instead we would be people who are only subject to your word and your voice, that we are only moved by the voice of our Father. 
Father, that we would be people that would not react and respond to the issues, but instead we'd be people who are fully obedient to the voice of the Father. Father, I pray that you would give us all the grace to look above the issues that surround us on a personal level and the issues that, 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 um, that happen on a, on a wide level. Father, that we would be able to look past all of those things and be able to look up and find grace in your eyes, Jesus, and live from a place of rest. Again, I say that our name is rest. Our name is rest. Father, we honor you. I thank you, Jesus, for this word of rest. God, I pray again that you would give us grace to walk in it. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more messages like this or information about our church, please visit harmonychurchfamily.org.